God, thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for our ability to gather here together uh, on a Thursday afternoon, just to look into your word, to honor you, to worship you, to exalt you, uh, and to grow in you. And I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me now to bring your word to your people this day through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Paul had just finished talking about the greatness of Jesus uh, and uh, all that Jesus had done and reconciling all things to himself uh, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And Paul continues the narrative here with verse 21. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make, known, make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. So often we start our experience, uh, our perception of reality from the basis of who we are and where we are. Uh, and that's always dangerous, because if you start your perspective of reality, if you start your perspective of truth based on just what you can see, uh, you will never see the whole picture. Uh, you will always see people better than you, and you will always see people worse than you. And depending on how you orient your perspective will determine a lot about how you live your life. If you think everybody's better off than you and you don't really look at those people who are worse off than you, then you'll end up being jealous and bitter and things like that. If you look at people who are worse off than you uh, all the time, you can easily become conceited or arrogant or things like that. And if you forget about God and God's perspective, then you will only see the world from a very, 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 very small, very small perspective. And that's why Paul, in this great letter to the Colossians, he spent so many times in what we looked at last week, exalting Jesus. That Jesus is the creator, that Jesus is the source of everything, that Jesus is the one who is the head of the church. Now, so often we get disappointed with the church because we're looking at the people of the church. And you know what? You'll be disappointed if you're looking at people and thinking they constitute the fullness of the church. You need to look at the head of the church, and that's Jesus. And when you see Jesus as he really is, that will totally change your perspective on the church. 
And so that's why Paul spends all this time looking at that before he gets into a perspective about who we really are. And if we are going to mature in the Lord, and if we're going to remain steadfast, especially in difficult times that are around us, we need not only to understand who Jesus is in the fullness of his revelation and what his death on the cross and his resurrection of the dead meant for us, but we also need to understand who we really are. Because a lot of times as people... We either see ourselves as worse than we actually are or better than we actually are without understanding who we really are. Sometimes we think, well, all people were just basically good. Uh, we all, we're all well-meaning. I, I'm, I'm just a really good person. And actually, if you think of yourself just as a, basically a really good person, then you haven't really looked at all the stuff that you've done, all the, the dark attitudes and things that you've had, the selfishness and self-centeredness that you've had in your life. Uh, if you really look at all the stuff of who you actually are, then it's hard for us, any of us, to really say that we're basically good people. At the same time, You know, I've seen some people who say, well, I'm just miserable, I'm a no good for nothing, I'm worthless, I I have no value, I have no importance whatsoever, Uh, I'm I'm, I'm just deserving to be discarded completely. And if you see yourself that way, you're also not looking at yourself the way you really are. Because for all people, Jesus died on the cross. That means every human being in the sight of God is worth the death of his son Jesus. And that means every human being has this value. And so Paul goes on in this passage to orient ourselves. After orienting ourselves to understanding who Jesus is, he begins to orient ourselves to understanding who we are and what our lives are before he then gives us this incredible thing, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He starts out and he says, you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. That's the way we all were. We were alienated from God. Uh, Our minds were, were not thinking right. But now if you follow Jesus, you've been reconciled by his death to God. You have a new relationship with the Father. And what Paul says in verse 22, he has now reconciled us. That means it's done and dusted. We have been reconciled. It's not something that was done and is continuing to be done. We've been reconciled with God so that Jesus can present us holy and blameless before God. We are his saints. This is true for us as Christians, every single one of us. This is true. This is who we were. We once were alienated, but now we've been reconciled through Jesus to God so that we have a new relationship, so that now we are saints. And Paul wants us to understand uh, that, uh, that, that basic orientation. And then he says, verse 23, something that sometimes troubles us. You say, well, Rod, you know, that, that's all well and good. But Paul then goes on to say, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And you say, well, that seems like an if clause there. Uh, Is Paul introducing a certain element of uncertainty here? And no, he's not. The way that they would have understood this 
was yes, Paul was telling them that they still have to work, they still have to live their lives as Christians, they still have to make an effort. It's not like, okay, I'm a son of God, now I can go kick back on some beach somewhere and let God just bring me cocktails or mocktails or, and, and all the things that I want in life. No, Paul is telling us that we still have to invest ourselves, we need to remain steadfast in the faith, we need to hold on to it, but he's saying that with the confidence, and this is what they would have heard, the confidence that we would be able to do it if we were his saints. So in other words, Paul is not introducing works righteousness here. He is telling us that all you need to do is hold on, keep on keeping on, this is what God is enabling you to do, And you will continue as his son. But don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. And then the next few verses, and I won't go through them in detail because I want to get to Christ in you, the hope of glory. The next few verses kind of sound confusing. Where Paul's talking about uh, rejoicing in his sufferings and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And almost makes it sound like Christ's death on the cross didn't pay for everything. That's not what Paul is trying to say here. What Paul is saying is that as we live the Christian life, we will go through afflictions, we will go through struggles, we will go through difficulties. That simply because we are now Christians doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that God is going to cater to our whim. We still will go through difficult times. And I've seen so many Christians start to walk away from their faith because they go through a difficult season in their life. And they think, oh, well, maybe God doesn't love me. And I've shared with people the kinds of stuff that Karen and I have been going through since last January. And when I sit down with somebody and give them the whole list, which takes at least 30 to 45 minutes to talk through all the stuff we've been going through, you know, they're just like, wow, you know, this is terrible. How can, you, how, how can you keep going? Uh, don't you get upset? Don't you get angry? Don't you get bitter with all the things happening? I said, no, we don't. Because our reality is different. We don't live in the struggles. We don't live in the suffering. We don't live in the afflictions. We don't focus on the afflictions. We know that the afflictions are temporary and we expect afflictions to come from time to time. And that's part of life. And it doesn't make us want to give up our faith. It makes us actually cling on to our faith even stronger. Because we'll know we'll get through that. But then Paul goes on, on this foundation of understanding who Jesus is and understanding who we have become in Jesus Christ, reconciled to God, saints. That's what we are as Christians. We're all saints now. Understanding that sometimes life will have its ups and downs and we will go through intensely rocky times, especially if we want to follow Jesus. Paul gets into the heart of his encouragement to the Colossians here at this moment. And that is about what difference does it make? At the end of the day, what difference does it make that we've now been reconciled to God, that our sins have been forgiven? What difference does it make if we're going to go through difficult times that all these things are going to happen? And Paul says that the whole purpose of God in Christ Jesus was to unveil a great mystery, something that was incredible, that was marvelous, that's impossible to understand from a fully rational perspective 
but there was a mystery that God intended to reveal from throughout the ages, and all of history was pointing toward the revelation of this mystery at this point in time in Christ Jesus and in the people of God, and this mystery hidden for the ages, but now revealed in the Colossians, and now revealed in us, and all who follow Jesus, is this, the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now how is it that Christ is in us? I mean, we we encourage people, if they want to submit their lives to Jesus, to invite Jesus into their heart. Say, well, you know, how is that? I don't have a little mini Jesus in my heart. Uh, And we try to explain it. We try to understand it. But we find all of our attempts to explain it, all of our attempts to understand it, are only weak because we can't fully get to it because it's a mystery how it happens. It's a mystery that the one Jesus who is the full revelation of God in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, that Jesus Himself, fully God and fully human, lives in us. And Paul is telling us this mystery, the first part of it, is that Christ is in us. That somehow, someway, by the power of God, when we surrendered our lives to God through Jesus Christ, that there was a union that happened. That we and that moment were united with Jesus Christ. That in ways we cannot understand, in ways that we cannot perceive, we have become one with Christ. And Christ is with us. And we all together, the body of Christ. This is the mystery that no matter what you go through, no matter where you are in your life, If you are a follower of Jesus, Christ is in you. Christ is in you. You are united with Jesus Christ. You have significance. You have security. You have acceptance. All because of your union with Jesus Christ. You have identity as a son of God, whether you're a man or a woman. As the bride of Christ, whether you're a man man or woman. Because of this union with Jesus Christ. And we don't see it, we don't understand it, but we can know it. Many of us experience it. From time to time it is stirred up within us, but even when we feel it or don't feel it, it doesn't change the reality that Christ is united with us. That means that nowhere we go do we go without Jesus. And at all moments in our lives, Jesus is with us. And because Christ is in us, We have hope. There's never anything so dark where you no longer have hope. Because Christ is in you. You lose your job. You're diagnosed with cancer. Your spouse decides to divorce you. Your friends abandon you. It seems like you're just about to be put out on the street. Your life seems hopeless. It seems helpless. But the promise is this, because Christ is in you, you always have hope. Hope is always there. You never lose that hope because the hope comes not because you're a good person, not because you're going to work hard, not because everything's going to turn around and suddenly be exactly the way you want it. You have hope because Christ is in you. And you're united with Him. And because Christ is in us, 
we not only have hope, but we have the hope of glory. Now the hope of glory, certainly in the mind of Paul, would have referred to the time when Jesus Christ comes again, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, we have new bodies, and and there's a new reality around us. Excuse me. Certainly that would be part of it. But actually, the hope of glory exists in this world as well. That means that no matter where you are, God can use you to bring His kingdom. No matter where you are in the marketplace, no matter where you live, uh, no matter what your background is, no matter how wealthy you are, or how poor you are, no matter how educated you are, or how uneducated you are, Jesus Christ is in you, and His glory can manifest through you to the people around you in your workplace, to the people around you in your community, to the people around you in your family, your friends, your church. And every single one of us is called to be a manifestation of the glory of God in Jesus Christ as together the church is called to be a manifestation of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That means everywhere you are and everywhere you go with Christ in you, you can make a difference. Sometimes we see what difference we make. Sometimes we have somebody come to us and say, wow, you know, when you shared this with me, when you prayed this with me, uh, when you ministered this to me, it really changed my life. But most of the time, we have no idea the change is brought about by the manifestation of the glory of God in us. And many times we won't know until we get God's perspective on history And we see all the amazing ways that God used us to influence the lives of other people who influenced the lives of other people who changed the world. That is our heritage. That is who you are, we are right now. Christ is in us the hope of glory. That means that we live for Christ every single day And that Jesus works in and through us to change the world. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for the promise. Thank you for the truth, the certainty. This revelation of mystery, Christ in us, the hope of glory. I pray, Father, that you'd send us forth from this place with a confidence in that revelation in us. We love you, we worship you, we praise you, we adore you, and we thank you for all you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.